Hi everyone, Riley here. I just want to jump in and say hi and give a few quick announcements before we get into this week's episode. Um, So this week is my re-release of the episode that I did with Kara Berry of Everyone's Business But Mine. Uh, We talked about gallery girls and that was a lot of fun. It was, I think it came out right when like quarantine was starting, like COVID-19 was really ramping up. So it was still Tiger King stimulus check quarantine times when it was all like you know, lighthearted and fun. (laughs) If you can believe it, that's kind of how it feels in retrospect. Um, So I hope you all enjoy listening to that. I'm going to give this episode a week to accumulate its fair number of plays. And then at the end of the week, I'm going to count up my total number of plays from the last three re-released episodes that I did, as well as the original Black Lives Matter like announcement episode. And based on the total number of plays, I'm going to uh, make my donations to those three causes. So once again, those are the Ochre Project, uh, For the Girls, and the Black and Pink Bail Fund slash COVID-19 Relief Fund. So starting in July, I am going to have new episodes again. However, I'll still be doing my make my donations based on number of plays. It'll just be to different organizations and causes. Um, I do think I'm going to continue with the every other week release schedule that I was doing prior to our June re-release initiative thing, whatever we want to call that, Um, just because that was just so much less pressure on me to get everything out on a weekly schedule and I was really able to like focus and it just gives me more time to delve deeper into the shows that I want to do especially if it's something that you know kind of requires a a few seasons of context that's definitely more feasible when I have two weeks instead of only one Uh, so I think I'm gonna do that and that's really it in terms of major announcements. The only other thing I do want to talk about, just real quick, because you know this is important to me. Um, if you're not aware, there was a big Supreme Court case that was decided today as I'm recording this. This is Monday. Um, basically, it was going to more or less decide whether abortion could still be legal in Louisiana, which could have set a precedent for abortion being heavily restricted, if not made outright illegal in a lot of states. Um, But the Supreme Court decided like in favor of abortion rights, which was not expected. It was a five to four to five to four decision. So it was really close. Um, So today I donated five dollars in honor of the decision to my local abortion fund, Carolina Abortion Fund. I really love the work that uh, abortion funds do because I I just can't advocate for them enough because most people think of, you know, I want to help people. I'm pro-choice. They think of donating to Planned Parenthood and, you know, Planned Parenthood is great, but abortion funds really do the work for like helping patients actually access abortions specifically, whether that's paying for the abortions, getting them to their, like their appointments, you know, paying for transportation. They really do that work that's like on the ground. So, um, If you don't mind, I'm asking my listeners to donate $5 if you have $5 to spare to your local abortion fund, or if you don't know of an abortion fund local to you, you can donate to mine, Carolina Abortion Fund, or to Yellowhammer Abortion Fund, which is the fund out of Louis, not sorry, Louisiana, out of Alabama. Sorry, sorry, Yellowhammer. Sorry, Kelsey. (laughs) Um, But yeah, they're doing great work across the Southeast. So anyway, That's all I wanted to talk about. Enjoy this week's episode. I will talk to you next week with a whole new episode. I don't know how I'm going to do this because it took me about a million years just to record this one intro. I'm so out of practice of actually recording an episode. Anyway, bye everyone. Have a great day. Bye. 
Is this chicken what I have or is this fish? What are you? An idiot sandwich. Idiot sandwich what? An idiot sandwich, Chef Ramsay. I was rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. How dare you? Congratulations, you're a meathead, son. But you know what? Don't ever put your hands on my underwear. This is Where's the yeah, I mean, you really don't make friends around here, do you? I... I didn't come here for that. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Snap Back to Reality, the podcast dedicated to the trash TV we grew up with and love to hate. I'm your host, Riley Ennis, and this is episode 52. And joining me, I have once again another very special guest. I have Kara Berry of Everyone's Business But Mine. Hi. Hello. Saying the title correctly. (laughs) (laughs) I practiced, let me tell you. I I know it's very instinctual to say everybody's business, and I I should have thought about that. (laughs) Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for being on. Um, It's it's kind of weird because we've been planning this for a few weeks, and so much has happened in the outside world. What do you mean? What happened? (laughs) Oh, have you just been like hanging out? Just you know. (laughs) Do you just live, you know, in your apartment, isolated on your own anyway? Yeah. <laughs> you would think that I wouldn't have such a problem dealing with all of this isolation because I'm like, fine. I'm like the first one to be like, oh, I'm busy. But then I'm not. Um, so now I'm like really kicking myself for, uh, well, maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm not kicking myself for not being very social lately because I haven't been sick yet. <laughs> yeah, right. You are probably the safest person out of all of us. Uh, truly, I really am. <laughs> um, but other than all of that, because, you know, we don't need to make this a uh, COVID podcast. Um, yeah. how, how are you? How's life? I'm great. Doing well. I'm, you know, I'm having, do you watch Vanderpump? No, Vanderpump is something that it's like, there's such a background like it's there's such like a lore to it and I don't want to dive in until I can really dive in but this is probably the perfect time to start honestly yeah it really is yeah that's kind of what I'm thinking like the silver lining is that now I can watch all the shows that I was like yeah yeah cool but now I haven't been watching like season two of Shrill I haven't seen Mm -hmm. so I'm, I'm I'm trying to find the the good things all things considered <laughs> Good. Well, so today I am having you on because we are going to talk about um, a Bravo show, something that I had never seen or really heard of before, but we are discussing uh, Gallery Girls. I'm so excited. This is one of the shows that I feel very passionately about as like a one season wonder. Um, Bravo's like really good for like a one season show that's like fascinating, but also really boring. But like <laughs> in the hindsight, that you really wish that you had more mm-hmm. um and gallery girls is definitely I think for like a hardcore Bravo fan I think it's like number one other than like maybe NYC prep yeah so I was gonna say the first time I'd ever heard of this show was a few months ago when I had Troy on uh Troy of Dunzo podcast yeah um, formerly the Smush Room. So if you ever hear me referencing that in a previous episode, it's now called Dunzo. Um, But Troy and I talked about NYC prep and he had mentioned gallery girls as something. And I was like, what's that? Um, So I'm really excited that we're talking about it now. Me too. This is like, honestly, one of the topics I've always wanted to talk about (laughs) on a podcast. So I'm like, truly so excited. Oh, I'm so glad I'm giving you that opportunity. So I don't have any kind of background. I wasn't even aware when this was airing. It was completely off my radar, but I'm assuming you watched it when it was like coming out. Yeah. So I actually moved to New York in 2010. The show came out in 2012. So I definitely remember watching it and like, 
it, even just like watching it back now just brings me totally back to that moment that vibe of like living in New York at the time it's like just very reminiscent for me mm-hmm. but yeah like the the whole concept of like the Brooklyn girls versus the girls that live in Manhattan and it just like the whole like scummy like that was like the height of like hipsters like Williamsburg Brooklyn hipsters and I'm mm-hmm. living in Williamsburg at the time so this is like really very like it's really taking me back (laughs) I'm so excited to get your thoughts on all of this um so there is not a lot of deep background information on the show so I'll just kind of briefly go over it but it ran on Bravo obviously from August to October 2012 like you said a one season wonder although I feel like as it was being filmed it was definitely filmed with the intention of having multiple seasons oh for sure for sure (laughs) Um, And it follows the lives of seven young women living in New York City trying to work in the art world. Um, And it kind of features these very light touches on themes of like coming from different neighborhoods and class backgrounds and socioeconomic status like very slightly because even the the lower class are all very incredibly wealthy. (laughs) Um, And then yeah, yeah, this whole like Brooklyn versus Manhattan sort of like juxtaposition. Yeah, it's sort of like a weird combination of Real Housewives of New York and like Gossip Girl. And then also mm-hmm. sort of NYC prep in that way of like, there's like the upper class people and then like, you know, poor Taylor was like <laughs> the one from the up the west side who were just like just as wealthy as the east side. Um, uh, so yeah, like that whole juxtaposition between like the trust fund babies and like oh I'm not from a trust fund but like I still have this gorgeous apartment in Greenwich Village like it's very Dana Humphreys Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. um and so it was also I guess somewhat inspired by Lena Dunham's web series delusional downtown divas because I saw that like linked on the web uh like the Wikipedia page um which was this like web show that she had I think in 2009 um about um what was it just like three wealthy upper class girls working in galleries and then later on she pulled from that when she was writing girls um that was like her source material so I guess that was also somewhat an inspiration but I'm not really familiar with Lena Dunham's greater body of work so she's I mean she her parents are both like art artists and like she definitely grew up downtown so she would know that scene more than anybody probably um but she's sort of maybe like more like a Liz girl who kind of was like oh my parents are in a scene like I'm just so above everything and everybody and everybody's fake except for me somehow (laughs) (laughs) Liz was interesting I um I'm interested as we'll go through I guess we'll just like since the first kind of little bit of the episode is just introducing the girls I would love for us to just kind of go through and talk about just our thoughts on them throughout the series yes okay awesome so let's get into it first just how we chose this episode you know I always say when in doubt go for the first episode so that's what we're gonna do is season one episode one and it's called all tomorrow's parties which I also read oh sorry go ahead Oh, no, sorry, I was just saying that I think it was actually a really great episode, more than a lot of shows, it really sets up, like, the whole storyline for the rest of the season, like, the different relationships, and, like, who's beefing with who, I think it really, like, was very clear, like, okay, you know what you're gonna get with this, 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it really, it ties in a couple of things that come out later on in some like other ep like episodes later on in the season. So yeah, I think it really was like a good way to start and kind of a good platform for us to jump off and to kind of talk about whatever happens throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, definitely. Um, so what I was saying was that All Tomorrow's Parties is the name of the first episode. And I read that all of the episode titles were named after Velvet Underground songs, which I'm not familiar enough or cool enough to know that. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, it definitely makes sense for like the time mm -hmm. of being like, oh, yeah, like I live in the Lower East Side or I live in Brooklyn and I smoke cigarettes and I wear dirty jeans. And yeah, I like listen to the Velvet Underground and like cry into the money that my parents just gave me. <laughs> um, so it opens with some scenes featuring our girls just kind of introducing the idea of them living in New York City um, and how they've all, you know, a couple of them cite directly Sex in the City as being an inspiration for either wanting to move to New York or wanting to work in the art world specifically. Right. And then we also are introduced to the concept of the rivalry between specifically the Upper East Side girls versus the Brooklyn girls. And I guess Carrie is just somewhat in the middle. <laughs> Carrie and Maggie. Yeah, Carrie is, yeah, she's the girl who lives on the West Side. She's like from Long Island, but her parents don't really have a lot of money, but I feel like they probably do. Um, she's like, oh, you know, we're introduced, like her and her mom just talking about how she's worked so hard to live in this gorgeous apartment in West Village. Like, you're, she's 24. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, good on her for being like three years out of college and being able to live by yourself in the most expensive neighborhood mm -hmm. in Manhattan. But like, I, I maybe now as a 34 year old, I'm like, oh, I'll just kill me. <laughs> They're all so young. Now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's wild how young they are. I'd love to see this show like taken seriously with a group of like early thirties women who are just like, I yeah. actually care about my career. I have like a savings that I've been like working to invest into my gallery, like actually taking it seriously. Yeah. I mean, the, the privilege is so real. Like even within Carrie's story, it's like, you can tell she's worked very hard and she's had like opportunities and she talks about, you know, traveling to Europe and living in Europe when she was in college. It's like, you have a lot of privilege within you, girl. Like, I, I appreciate that, like, she's kind of like a Bethany Frankel, where she's like, I work really hard. I'm just keeping my nose down, and I'm really focused on the work. But, like, you know, Bethany, at, at the end of season one, was looking at $4 million apartments. So, you know, it kind of, like... <laughs> How, how poor were you, sis? <laughs> mm -hmm, exactly. Um, so the first kind of girl that we're introduced to is Angela. Um, so she is a photographer. Uh, she has a little quote here. It's like, I always cringe calling myself an artist. It sounds so narcissistic. I mean, that's what I am, but I don't want people to know that. <laughs> right. Angela, again, I mean, this is a girl who obviously came from some privilege. Both her parents were doctors, uh, but she sort of like bucked the trend of like not becoming a doctor and wanted to do her own thing in the art world. And she's making it out on her own and being a waitress and model. Mm -hmm. And she's kind of like a sex pot. But then we kind of realize that she's not really that lucky in love, even though she's gorgeous and like you know, she should have these men, like, hanging outside her door. Yeah, there's something about Angela that she does have a lot of charisma, and even though she is just as privileged and kind of just as, like, narcissistic as the other women, you're the, she, she's still cool. Like, she, she could still be your friend. She's kind of friends with everyone throughout the series, um, but I appreciate Angela. Yeah, I remember watching when I first 
uh, when it first aired, thinking like finding Angela to be really like off-putting and kind of obnoxious, and you know she's got her like gaggle of like gays that do her makeup and like <laughs> yeah, she is a little bit is. of a, a problematic queen, isn't she? A little bit, and you know, but I think watching it now, I'm like appreciating her more because she really is sort of like above all the bullshit that all the other girls are like so ready to sink their teeth into. <laughs> That it helps. She's kind of like the middle person. Mm-hmm. Um, so the next person that comes up is Chantal. So quick, just I want to know your your basic thoughts on Chantal because I'm wow. sure we'll delve into her. Um, Chantal is a terrifying human being. <laughs> She's a succubus. She is like a mean, mean girl. She's from Georgia and I'm from Georgia too. Um, I, you can just tell that she's just like a nightmare of a human being somebody who kind of like she's like a manic pixie dream girl she's like somehow her life always ends up really perfect and great and you don't know where any of her money comes from and like she just kind of she's just like a uh, like you can just tell like she'll look at you from across the room and you'll want to die <laughs> and she'll just like put her red lipstick on and like whisper about how like you have mental problems and like doesn't think a thing about it I feel She's like <laughs> throughout the series I feel like I um her her affectation and her voice really sunk into me and I feel like I could probably do like a good Chantal if I needed to <laughs> It, it varies between like high pitched baby and uh, like vocal fry, like heavy vocal fry. She's like I'm going to wake up at eight a.m., have a French press coffee, do some oh, yoga, God. and then I'll That's come to perfect. work. Oh, you're like annoying me just hearing the voice. It's perfect. It's a perfect impression. <laughs> I don't have many of them, so when like I started to feel that rise in my soul, I was like, oh, good, I have one. <laughs> it's it's the truly. Oh, I'm like horrified that you can do that so well. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I'm also, I'm from the South as well. I'm from South Carolina um, and oh. I live in North Carolina now, but like I don't have the experience of being like, you know, the small town girl moving to the big city necessarily, but I feel like I know a lot of them. <laughs> sure, sure. Like the girl who's like a little bit weird, but like mostly just kind of a bitch. Yep. <laughs> like, they're just like, oh, I just, I like, I'm just so above this. And like, you guys are just like, whatever. And like, you know, I'm going to go off to like New York or LA and like, you know, <laughs> cut my hair weird and smoke too many cigarettes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we'll move on from Chantal for now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, Amy, poor Amy. Oh, poor Amy. Poor sweet Amy. Amy is definitely a tryhard. She's definitely annoying. She's definitely like has low self-esteem but at the end of the day she's like a really sweet girl Mm -hmm. and I think she means well she just doesn't like know how to go about it correctly she's definitely a people pleaser it's just hard because she immediately radiates that energy for yeah and it's like annoying but like she is she is harmless she's harmless (laughs) okay so and then we have Claudia uh yeah Claudia is another person that I really like I feel like I thought that I liked her initially, but now I like, oh, I just can't stand her. She's I a nightmare. Go back and forth on Claudia. I'm not to the point of not standing her yet, but she's I, someone that's like, she's, she's like halfway between like a Carrie and a Chantal, I think. Yes. Someone who like understands hard work. Game. 
Sorry. Yeah, she talks a big game. She, she talks a big game about about working hard, but you don't really ever see her doing a whole lot. And yeah, it's like she she definitely is like stressed out a lot, and she's got a lot on the line, and like that I think is a motivation for her. But I kind of feel like if she if her parents hadn't given her that given her that fifteen thousand, she probably would have been just as checked out as Sean Paul was. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> And she definitely got herself, like, in over her head. Like, it's, it seems like she and Chantal, like, did coke a couple nights in a row. And we're like, oh, my God, I love you so much. Let's go into business together. We have all these, like, feelings that are similar. And we're just going to, like, go out and do this and, like, make it work. And then <laughs> you're seeing, like, the reality of the situation is that yeah. they're horrific for each other. <laughs> Um, yeah, I definitely have some thoughts on that, but like, I'll wait till we get to that point in the show, but I'm very, I, I'm interested to see. Um, and then we have, we have Maggie. Oh, Maggie. Ugh, Maggie is another one. So Maggie's Maggie. Maggie between like the baby voice and the vocal fry. But all of it is just so monotone. She, her voice drives me up the wall because you know that in real life it's like, just enough that you can hear it, but not enough that you can understand what she's saying. And mm-hmm. she'll never like go any louder. <laughs> it's like, please just speak up and speak clearly. Like she's definitely like, mm, I'm a baby and like, I'm so tiny and oh, my boyfriend's so big and muscular. And, <laughs> like, uh, I can't work. I, I have a trust fund and I live in Murray Hill, which by the way, Murray Hill is like, especially at that time, was the douchiest neighborhood to live in. It's like, where you went, if like, so you went to South, you live in South, you're from South Carolina. Like, imagine like a, like a Clemson guy, like the Hmm. douchiest Clemson, like fratty bro dude that you can think of who moves to New York to work in finance. Like, that's the neighborhood that he would live in. Like, that you, what a picture you just painted for me and for anyone regionally from the Southeast. Yeah, it's chilling, right? Yes. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) And I see that. That was her boyfriend. Absolutely. That was absolutely her boyfriend. It's like, where you go? Clemson or College of Charleston (laughs) douchebag. Yes. For sure. Like, if Shep moved to to New York, that's where he would live. Like, you can still wear, you know, polo shirts freely and, you know, do, like, dollar bar, dollar beer nights. And, like, it's just, like, the girls are all wearing heels still and they're, like, crying in the corner. Like, it's just, like, a very, ugh, you know the vibe. <laughs> Okay. Yes. That's what I imagined. I'd not, I'm not familiar with that neighborhood. Like I know obviously like, Oh, Upper East Side, Lower East Side, Lower East Side. I know what that means. Um, but you know, some of the other neighborhoods I didn't, I wasn't familiar with. So I do appreciate your knowledge and especially yeah. your ability to translate that into something that I understand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've, I've given a lot of thought about that neighborhood. So. <laughs> um, yeah. So Maggie, she's, she has all of the all of the charisma that Angela has. Maggie lacks. She has the charisma of a sponge, <laughs> um, and not even like a wet one, like a dry one that's still not out of the pack yet. Like it's just like, what is there to, for to work with? Like, <laughs> uh, she's such a nightmare. She's maybe the worst one on the show mm-hmm. because she's just like 
so elitist and so like mm, we're gonna whisper behind your back just like Chantel does like she's like Chantel but like there's a different kind of weirdness to her yeah she she's I, got something else going on Mm-hmm. A very strange vibe, and I feel like there's something going on between her and Eli that we're not privy to. There's there's something going like, uh, yes, okay, we'll get there because there is a lot yes. to say. <laughs> All right, so then we have Carrie, who we kind of already talked about. So she allegedly doesn't come from money and yet can <laughs> afford her gorgeous apartment on the west side. She somehow found her way into like some sort of luxury concierge service which like later you see her like going out to Teterboro which is like the private airport in New Jersey to like get bagels for a client and like put them on the airplane um I just like how did you find a job like that I always wonder how people were like how did you even find that so what I saw when I was just doing some research, which my research, I mean, I like was on Reddit <laughs> on the Bravo, like celebrity oh, subreddit. Yeah, yeah. And so people were speculating that Carrie was an escort. So that's all alleged speculation. But you know, like the older I get, the more I realize like there are way more people like escorting and hoeing and like doing everything that I, yeah. that I was aware of. So I believe it. Yeah, I now that you mentioned that, I do remember there being rumors about her, like, being a cocktail waitress and possibly having a relationship with, like, Diddy or, like, some kind of rapper. Mm. Um, you but I can't girl. remember who it was. Um, but, yeah, there there were those rumors, right, now that you mentioned that. So, you know, I say, like, more power to you. <laughs> yeah. Um, you if that is how you... Can do it. Exactly. Afford your beautiful apartment with, like, that gorgeous blue accent wall. Like, go for it. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, and then last we have Liz. So she's like, people think I live off my dad. They think I'm a brat, but like, I don't care. I'm just going to do my own thing. She thinks she's very cool because she has a half sleeve, tattoo <laughs> sleeve. She's been to rehab. She's like done the whole party girl thing. She's, you know, definitely like, you know, if she's definitely like being funded by her father, but she's also like living off of him and his name mm-hmm. and like, just going around being a bitch because her dad is like Marty Margulies, which like, you know, is whatever in the art world. And like, you see her in the first episode where she's like, I don't want to do manual labor. And like, if I'm not like just sitting behind a desk doing phone calls and I'm just going to like, you know, call dad and, and have him work this out. She's a real nightmare. Yeah, she, um, she's interesting. I feel like the vibe that she is giving off or whatever the editors had done for her in the first episode is really different than her in the rest of the season but I mean she's still kind of an asshole regardless yeah she is she we also learned that she and Amy have known each other they're both like raised in Miami but moved to New York they've known each other forever and Liz and Amy or Liz basically seems like she's always hated Amy but Amy doesn't seem to be aware of that until later this season (laughs) Again, just poor Amy. Poor, poor Amy. I feel for her. Um, And then also in this little opening sequence, we're introduced to just the idea of like the art world, how hard it is to get into the art world, how hard it is to stand out. And we see just like this random interview with Eli Klein of Eli Klein Fine Art Gallery, who of course is like, you know, another main character throughout the season. Um, And it's just this random girl that I'm sure Bravo just sent in and it's like, here, hand him your resume. And he's just like, so you don't speak Chinese. You haven't graduated from college. I don't see how this can be (laughs) beneficial to me. 
<laughs> he's definitely like if if Manhattan was like the fifth lady in Sex in the City, Eli's like the eighth lady on the show, and he's <laughs> like such a storyline guy. He's so strange. He's very strange, and it's interesting because I mean they're arguably probably not like a whole bunch of like straight dude art gallery owners who would have been willing to be on a show but he is very strange because they make him they kind of like try to make him seem like this big bad boss but he's really just like a weird slimy dude he's weird he's slimy i'm not entirely convinced that he's straight i think there's maybe some like weird like bisexual repression that he has going on that's like (laughs) causing him to act out in these strange ways he is very weird, and I think Maggie was right. Like, I think he just wanted to be able to have access to all these girls mm-hmm. by being in the art world. It's, yeah. it's real creepy. Yeah, some strange vibes coming off of Eli, but um, as the little, like, random girl gets sent away, he's like, well, I'm, I'm happy you got to meet me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he is insane. What an <laughs> insane thing to say. All right, so we open with Angela, and she's modeling. Um, So she tells us that she does a lot of modeling. This shoot in particular is going to be for a book about 80s Japanese fashion photography. So naturally, it's being shot by a young white Australian man. (laughs) Right, truly. I mean, again, hearkening back to, like, life in New York, there was, like, I don't know how to say this in a PC way, but there was definitely a wave of, like, white guys who had serious fetishes for Asian women and we're like completely unabashed about that it was a very strange way to live like it's a weird theme throughout this season it is um yeah with um Chantal and her boyfriend and how he's got an Asian fetish and like how Chantal says that she like has an Asian look and how she does really well with like the Japanese model oh, yeah she's world. big in Japan yeah <laughs> like I I almost believe (laughs) I could see it but it was just like she's like I'm very popular with young Japanese women yeah (laughs) so yeah it's a strange theme and it's just it was a very strange like vibe like men were really like unabashed about it in a way that almost you forgot how weird it was that like men would just be like very particular in their fetishes for Asian women. That even happened with like the random guy who like sits down next to them in episode two, I think it is, where he like tries to eat out of their mac and cheese. And then she's like, no, I'm just trying to get to the Asian girl. Yeah. 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 See? And that happened all the time. It was very weird. Yeah. So it's weird. um, But so she's doing this like topless photography, you know, with her fashion photographer. Um, She's very carefree about it. She tells us that she was born in Orange County. Um, Her parents are both doctors. They don't really support her now. They don't support her lifestyle. So she has to support herself. Um, She waitresses, she models, but she wants to be a photographer. So that's going to be like her storyline throughout the rest of the season is Angela launching her career as a fashion photographer, editorial photographer, whatever she is that she's trying to do. A photographer outside of a donut shop. Yeah. (laughs) whatever she does (laughs) Uh, on the precipice of moroseness yeah (laughs) oh god what a time what a time to be able to say something like that um so also she was saying that she needs a new project and her disgusting photographer is like oh you should um you should shoot a lot of white guys in the nude yeah like what (laughs) sir (laughs) calm down 
Uh, so then we hop over to Greenwich Village. And so this is where Carrie is moving into her giant new apartment. Gorgeous new apartment. Her mom is so, so proud of her. Um, yeah, she's talking about how like she wants to, she's been working in this concierge company, but she really wants to branch out into the art world, even though she doesn't really like it. She really appreciates art and like wants to do, I don't know, start interning and like focus more on the art scene. Yeah, so she says later on that her ultimate goal is to um, curate artwork for boutique hotels. Yes. Which, weirdly enough, is something that I like, I didn't do that, but I worked at a company that did that. Oh, really? Yeah, so I actually left that company last year, but that's what I did for um, the first three years that I was out of college was I was an accountant executive, but we had like curators and we like our company did like specific bespoke artwork from like a studio artist that we had in on the right. team. But yeah, we also did curation. So I was just like, I mean, they're like firms for that girl. Like usually it's not one hotel has someone on deck just to curate for them. They like, just, right. they have, you know, they hire an interior design firm who then hires an art consultant as needed. Right. Yeah. It's, she's definitely like green in the industry. She doesn't know really anything other than like, she likes art and wants to be in that world. So it's interesting. I mean, I don't know exactly what her connections are with her family or just by being on Bravo or whatever it is, but it's interesting that she's so easily able to land an internship where she like has no background in this whatsoever. With like a seemingly very reputable, like well put together woman, like she just like meets her at a party and they're like, okay, you can have an internship. Sure. Right. And she's also loves her. Like Sharon yeah. loves Carrie. <laughs> she's like obsessed with her and like, I don't know what it is that she sees in her, but God bless. I mean, I feel like it's people like Carrie, just like everything just happens for them. And there's really just no reason. Like some girls really have all the luck. Yeah. If only. <laughs> um, so then we hop over to wherever Amy is, somewhere on the Upper East Side, I'm assuming. I didn't see, like, what the neighborhood said. Um, yes. And she's, like, weirdly in the bubble bath when her dad calls. <laughs> <laughs> Chatting on the phone with her dad. Yeah, she's talking about how, like, the Upper East Side is safe. And, Ugh, like, gross. Why would you want to live anywhere else? Like, there are boys in, in polos and khakis. It's so great. She, like, is totally clueless. She's totally, like, into that, like gossip girl vibe like you know she loves like a penny loafer and like a really cute headband like a Blair Waldorf headband. <laughs> she loves a headband. She gets her hair blown out like she doesn't even wash her own hair. She gets her <laughs> hair done multiple times a week. <laughs> she would do so well like in the 1950s. So well. She would do so so well. I mean also like drinking martinis at like whatever time <laughs> of the day it's like truly a life for her um, she like lives in this old like old home like old money town it looks like where mariah carey lives like it looks like mariah carey's beige ass apartment <laughs> yeah it's the mix between that and like sonia morgan's like townhouse it's like really like not not for a girl to be living by herself at like 23 or however old amy is like it's very like uppity mm-hmm um, and my favorite thing is that she says that her dad takes care of her, which allows her to go out, party, meet new people, network, and work for free as an intern in the art world. And literally, working in the art world is dead last after going out and partying. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, you see, like, how Amy is completely oblivious to life. She's never stepped foot in the real world at all, like, 
truly just like I want to take a bath in the middle of the day it, Mariah Carey so, like, yeah <laughs> I'm telling you <laughs> you tell she like really like she probably there's a housekeeper that she talks to for way too long and like tries to have com- deep conversations with and the lady's like please just let me do my job and go home like you know <laughs> there's a lot of things to unpack with Amy mm-hmm but ultimately she's a sweet girl yeah <laughs> i feel like we have to like disclaimers like but she's so nice <laughs> uh she tries kind of uh so then it's on the lower east side we are um introduced to chantal claudia and lara who is not on the bravo cast for some reason even though she's like fully a part of this whole situation that's happening yeah she's very much like a side character we find her often like in the court in a closet like not really saying much but yeah I wonder why she was not included as like a full cast member yeah so something that I found really interesting which um we'll see later on is that they had flashbacks to things that were happening weeks or months prior yeah. so I wonder like how long they were filming for and if Lara was originally a part of it or not a part of it or if they had maybe they decided to start end of century like midway through them already starting like having filmed like I don't know yeah it means they basically just use her to like be Chantal's like the mean girl in the background like her just like backup person (laughs) yes exactly um so yeah they're getting the space ready for their gallery slash clothing store which is called end of century kill me (laughs) it's so trendy (laughs) it's very it's very hipster very very much so like it's such a lofty idea to be like I'm gonna do half art gallery half clothing store jewelry store whatever I mean Maggie kind of clocks it later she's like I just want to show Liz that this is just like an overpriced clothing store (laughs) (laughs) it's a lofty goal and it's definitely like they they clearly are in over their heads yeah, because I don't think that throughout the entire rest of the season, they sell a single piece of artwork from the gallery. No, and it seems like they seem to, they, it seems like they feel like their friends are going to be their clientele, even though their client, like the things that they sell in the store, are like very expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't really know how to market, which I will give points to Chantal for pointing that out about Claudia. <laughs> yes. Horrible and marketer. Not knowing how to negotiate either. Like her whole situation where she was talking to the artist, she's like, so it's like 50% good? Is that too high? Yeah. Uh, that was such a unprofessional conversation. <laughs> it truly was painful to hear. Uh, oh, speaking of unprofessional conversations, Claudia says in her little talking head that um, in their business, friendship comes first and business comes second. And that's what's going to make it work. <laughs> said said nobody ever. Famous, famous last words, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, they also met less than a year ago at Angela's birthday. So yeah, it's like truly, like you said, they did coke t- a few times together. Um, you know, maybe they bonded, they like rolled on Molly or something and they decided For to sure. start... <laughs> clothing store slash art gallery for sure I mean this is if if that's not what happened then like everybody's a lie like I don't know what life is uh so then we have Liz who is a student at the I believe she said institute of fine art sure yeah sure whatever that sounds like a real school (laughs) and she also has a little racist Asian moment yeah yeah she does (laughs) 
<laughs> where she blames that, that Asian guy for stepping on her piece of art. She's like, everyone here is just quiet and Asian. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> what a nightmare. What a true nightmare. Um, so today is her first day at the Eli Klein Fine Art Gallery. She's going to be interning. She got the job, of course, because her dad is very big in the art world. Uh, he's a major collector. So here is where Eli says, hello, today we are going to be installing for a new show. You are my intern. Let's get to work. And they try to make her like lift like a single painting. And she's like, I'm done. Uh-uh. <laughs> she doesn't, it doesn't even like come off the palette that it was on. Like she's like, oh, I can't do this. Bye. <laughs> it's very, um, the simple life with Paris and Nicole. Very, very much so. She's like, okay, boys, like, let's get into this heavy lifting, because I'm not going to be doing it, and yeah, she's just, like, a total jerk, a total spoiled brat. Mm -hmm. And she says that she'll do anything that involves sitting down in a chair, making a phone call, or walking across the street. <laughs> and at that point, it's like, why don't you just do your own thing? Like, why bother interning? Like, why don't you just find a job? I mean, I don't understand, like, what her goal is. Yeah. Um, Other than, so like, they can get them all me. together in one space for filming. Basically. <laughs> Basically. Everything is explained by just, like, the filming schedule. Yeah. It really is. So then we have Maggie. So at first, like, I thought that she was going to be promising based on this very first scene where we're introduced to her, where she's, like, in an art gallery with her boyfriend, and she's, like, pointing out, like, different pieces, like, parts of the artwork to him. And I was like, oh, this is a girl who kind of knows what she's talking about. Mm -hmm. And then, like... That really went off left field pretty much immediately following this scene. <laughs> she, yeah, you see, like, she's just, like, a strange, like, she talks a big game, and, like, she'll, she's really good at talking shit behind people's back, and, like, talking about how she's gonna be strong against Eli, and how, you know, this person sucks, or whatever, but then it's, like, once she gets, like, up to them, it's, like, she's, like, this meek little annoying little slimy little whatever, just, like... Mm, like she's just she does she has no backbone yeah you can tell when you shake her hand she just like gives you her hand and just like <laughs> one of those girls little fish yeah yeah total so fish her grandfather was an engineer at dupont so she has a trust fund and she's allowed to like that's allowed her to intern in new york city she thought that she was gonna have a great time because she had like a really great resume based on everything she did in college and then she graduated and she realized everyone else in New York City has the same resume as her. So she's been interning at Eli's, but she hates it because Eli treats her like trash because he's a little slime ball too. So it's kind of unclear what's happened, but she's like, I took a couple weeks off because I couldn't <laughs> deal with him. Yeah. And so now she's like trying to, I mean, and again, I guess this is maybe like, I don't know, like, like you said, like they do flashback to like months prior. So like, I don't know if like maybe things slowed down and then they decided to go with like full production and she's like, oh, I have to get my job back at this place to make it work that I'm trying to work in the arts field. Um, but yeah, it, oh, her relationship with Eli just really sends chills up my spine. Yeah. So she's like, I'm going to go to his gallery opening tonight because I want to be on his good side so that I can get my job back basically. Yes, so she and her little meathead boyfriend are going to roll up <laughs> and have fun. Um, so we see Eli's gallery opening. Liz is there, and she brings her fancy dad and kind of talks about how her dad just, like, walks around like a slob, basically, and people <laughs> treat him poorly. And then when people who know who he is, like, come up to them and treat them well, she's like, ha-ha, bitch, should have, like, treated us nice. 
<laughs> what a thing to say. Okay. You can tell she like really gets off on being like, they don't even know who I am. Yeah. And it's like, I wonder if she even wants to be in the art world or she wants to be in the art world because her dad's a big name and she can just like use his name to make herself look better. Yeah. It's kind of unclear what her motivations are at this point. Or ever. <laughs> uh, so Eli sees Maggie and he greets her and her boyfriend. You know, he's all he's always very like nice on the surface level. Like whenever he's speaking like directly to her, he's like, oh, it's so good to see you. Hey, how are you? Yeah, but it's like he's just speaking like, I'm going to do what I think a human does and just like <laughs> send these pleasantries and like hope. It's, like there's always just like a squirrely look in his eye. Like, like I don't, I don't know. Like he could just stab you out of nowhere and you'd have no idea. um and then Liz sees Amy and she explains to her her friend that like yeah I've known Amy since I was a kid she's an ass kisser she's like really annoying and then Amy comes over and immediately kisses her ass (laughs) it's so sad poor sweet Amy she's so oblivious to the whole situation It's, it's yeah, it's hard to watch if you're a person who gets bad, like, secondhand embarrassment, like, from yes. knowing, like, that other people don't like someone, but that person isn't aware. That's, like, a very hard situation to, like, be privy to. Yes, very much so. It's, yeah, it, it's really hard to watch sometimes. So then it cuts over to the end of Century Gallery. Um, Chantal, Claudia, and I guess, oh, Angela's coming over, or she's about to come over at some point. But they're all getting ready for going over to Eli's because, again, filming schedules, but ostensibly because everyone needs to check out what's going on with their competition in the art world. Yeah, it's definitely like West Side Story, a meeting between the Sharks and the Jets. Like, the girls from the Upper East Side are going to be meeting with the Brooklyn girls. It's going to be like, this is where it really sets up the storyline of like, who hates who, who likes who where these friendships are going for the rest of the season. Um, So also Claudia is wearing a dress that they sell in their shop, but it has a hole in the back and her thong is peeking out and everyone seems to think that this is like delightful. (laughs) This is kind of how you know that like nobody's really friends. Like they're not trying to help her at all. They're just kind of laughing at her. Yeah, but she's like aware of it too. And she's just like, oh yeah, it's my thong. Like whatever. <laughs> but I think she thinks it's cool and everybody is just actually laughing at her. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> um, so then back at Eli's, uh, we see Liz is kind of explaining to her friends, like, oh, there are these different groups that come here. They're, you know, the old art guys, the cougars that are trying to be trendy, and then the trendy young girls that are trying to be relevant. And as she says that, the editors put in the shot of Chantal, Angela, and Claudia entering the party. So I love when they have that fun little editing right there yeah total total like purposeful um I get the sense at first that like Liz kind of wanted to be friends with the end of century girls and like Angela but they kind of rebuffed her and so she had to like go into total total, like preservation bitch mode Mm -hmm. I can see that yeah um yeah it's 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 a very strange thing you can tell that she feels very like hurt by being rejected by them she should have just worn a sleeveless shirt (laughs) it's all because she has her tattoo covered up that they treat her shitty yeah they find out that she had lived in the oc which is where angela's from and and so as soon as angela finds out about that she's like "Mm, i'm like not about this girl at all yeah um and they also say that um i think it's 
Maggie says that like, oh, the end of century girls are like always wearing black and they have red lipstick and they get lipstick on their teeth and I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) And she's horrified because they went to a party a few months ago and they had to do slap shots in which they like take a shot and somebody slaps you in the face. And so she's like, who does that? Like just people in Brooklyn. And this is where I know that Maggie is boring as hell and like probably only drinks white wine with ice cubes in it and like (laughs) fucking has missionary sex position with her boyfriend a hundred percent and like like uh she's like the type of girl she wants to be babied for some reason wants like she like totally gives into the fact that she's like cute quote-unquote and tiny and she's like insufferable she's a true nightmare yeah, so she's really boring, and she is not into the slap shots, so that's why she doesn't want to be friends with the Brooklyn girls. It's like, who do you want to be friends with? I, Anybody? Just, like, I guess Liz. She's like, oh, thank God, someone, like, cool, like, cooler and richer than me that I can glom onto. Basically. I have a feeling that Maggie doesn't really have friends, and I feel like we kind of see that. She has, like, a birthday party later in the season, where it's just, like, overrun by her boyfriend. Yeah. Like douchey little friends. Mm-hmm. And it's like, where are your friends, Maggie? Yeah, and she gets so mad that they like hijacked her birthday. It's like, well, you shouldn't have a birthday that's all like other people's friends. Right. <laughs> um She's Carrie's there. Weird. Carrie's at this gallery opening for some reason. <laughs> yes. And that's where she meets uh that Sharon Horowitz lady who Amy works for and mm-hmm. get, ends up getting an internship with. Yeah, she basically just says to her, She's like, I want an internship, and she's given one. basically like I don't know anything about art but I like it and I just want to like work somewhere she's like okay great (laughs) she's like oh yeah we'd love to have you (laughs) lady who's I don't even know your last name but fine I'll totally give you a job (laughs) um and then like the function kind of ends and Eli like this is the first kind of part where he's being really just gross and manipulative like not being direct but just like there's that undercurrent of just slime and ick and he's like go on Maggie tell everyone to leave and it's like Maggie doesn't work for you she doesn't need to end the party right it was such a weird like he does all these very strange power plays with Maggie which are like psychotic and weird and like almost like sexually fetishy like I don't know like why he gets off on treating her so horribly Yes, and she also, like, is just so strange, because even so, like, even if you were interning with him, or you did really want to get your job back, and, like, you want to do this task for him so that it looks good, there's a better way to, like, end that, like, you, you know, clap your hands and be like, okay, well, thank you so much for coming, everyone, this is going to wrap it up for this evening, instead, she's like, hi, uh, we're, like, done here, so if everyone could, like, move out, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. (laughs) She's like, oh, my God, they're doing it. And she's like, oh my god, this just feels so mean. (laughs) Like, because it is, bitch. It is. Because you don't know how to move through life in a way that makes people comfortable. Like, she's so weird. Yeah, and then Eli also does, like, the same thing anywhere, where he's like, okay, well, that wraps it up, everyone. Thank you for coming. So, like, he made her start it, and then he said something anyway. Yeah, and like you said, like, I don't understand. If she's not working for you now, why are you making her do things? Like, and why are you doing them? <laughs> yeah, it's it's that weird power dynamic. It's very, very, like, dumb sub situation. <laughs> yes. Oh, and then as everyone's leaving, Eli makes sure to walk over to uh, the three Brooklyn girls and invite them out to dinner. He's like, oh, I just want to make sure that I uh, extended an invitation to you. Please come to dinner. It's so strange. <laughs> And Chantal's like, I, Chantal's like, I would rather kill myself. 
<laughs> yeah, and she's like, I'm worried about my image. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't want to make conversation with the girls because they're, like, too uptown for her. So she just wants to get back to Williamsburg. <laughs> um, and then Liz and Maggie kind of introduce themselves to each other. Oh, I don't think we'd mentioned that at one point Maggie had overheard that Liz was the new intern for Eli Klein. So I thought that there would be, like, a rivalry between them, but instead they kind of find solace in each other. They find solace in each other over hating the Brooklyn girls and, like, thinking that they're weird. Um, I, but again, like, I think it's, like, Maggie, who's actually the mean girl, and Liz, who's just, like, I'm talking shit about them because they basically were, like, not that kind to me. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because I guess for the most part, Liz, she can give in to that kind of stuff, but she will also be direct because she has that lunch with Amy later on where she's, like, you come off as fake, you come off as, like, poor self-esteem, and you get really drunk, and I don't want to be around that as someone who's, like, in recovery or whatever. Yeah, but did you hear what she said about Claudia? She was like, I was going to tell her that her thong was showing, but they were being mean to her, so I'm just going to let her cut rot. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. That's an extreme choice to make. Um, so then I guess they go to dinner at wherever Eli was taking them. Um, and so they talk to Maggie about her supposedly working there or not working there. And Liz says something like, well, I thought you didn't work there anymore because you didn't show up. Yeah. I really want to know about like how Maggie went about this quote unquote break that she took. Like, does she just not come back? I because feel like she just, like, yeah, stopped showing just, up to work and like probably yeah. Eli like called her and she's like, I just need some time. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like this happens a lot with her, but we'll keep, we can get back to that later. Mm -hmm. um, so Amy is there, <laughs> and she comes, sits next to Liz, and she's like, oh, I'm fucking inebriated. <laughs> uh, Amy gets hammered. She's, like, getting down on the cupcake white wine like you wouldn't <laughs> believe. Yep, she's knocking them back, um, and she mentions that she, so this is something that comes up later on, but she mentions in this first episode, I definitely missed it the first time around, she had dated Eli in the past, and she's, like, kind of still into him. Yeah, she says that they look at each other from across the room, and there's just, like, an understanding, and <laughs> they have, like, there was really something special between them. I just, how could anyone have an understanding with that man? He's, like, just such a strange, strange person. He, I don't think he ever makes eye contact with people, you know? Yeah. Like, he always looks like he's looking just slightly left of you. Um, <laughs> he looks so like I one of those um, paintings, like, in a room where, like, the eyes move. <laughs> looking at you. Exactly. Um, yeah, he's, like, a real creep, and it's like, I don't know what it is that you think you've bonded with him over. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Amy wants to get in with that, I guess, and um, Liz is miserable. She kind of, like, is like, I'm over this. She does a little shoot me motion and that's the end of that scene yeah oh man poor amy <laughs> so then we meet up with angela and that photographer i guess his name is david i think uh to check out the photos from their photo shoot together yeah he's australian and that seems to be enough for her <laughs> So, like any sensible business meeting, um, you show the photos on your BlackBerry. <laughs> I could not believe that. It was so great. I was watching it with my husband, Andrew, and he, like, saw that scene come up, and he was like, oh, this, this dates it. 
<laughs> right? Right. Like this whole time to like scroll through. Oh gosh, really those were the days. <laughs> On that tiny little screen. And she's just like, wow, the photos look amazing. Who wouldn't want to have sex with me? <laughs> There's like a, uh, a, a uh, I don't know what you call it. Uh, they're like trying to figure out whether or not they're on a date, and Angel's like, "We're this is not a date," and she makes it very awkward for him. Mm-hmm. But I will say that later on, he forgets his wallet, and so she's like, "Well, that would have been really awkward if it was a date, but since it's not a date, it's fine." Yeah, <laughs> but she does make sure to be like, "This is very awkward. You know that, right? Like, it's really weird that you would forget your money." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she like doesn't let him off easy. She definitely doesn't. And I think, I don't know, I think he was, like, cute or whatever, but, yeah, she says that, like, referring, using the term dating is, like, really dated, no pun intended, and then it's, like, she's, like, evolved from that. Yeah, she's, like, she honestly says that, like, oh, I think we're too cool for that, and I was, like, well, that wasn't very cool to admit that. Right. (laughs) Like, what are you doing, then? She's very strange. Um. Yeah. How do you feel about Angela? Do you like her? I mean, at this point, I do. Um, I think that she's pretty, like, she's has the charisma. She's, she can be, like, a little bit insufferable, but, like, definitely not to the extent of anyone else. Like, everyone is either really insufferable or boring Amy Carey or Angela. <laughs> very true. Very, very true. <laughs> so she really is, like, the best of, like, this whole situation, but, you know, it's not, like, Quality. Not a whole lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's fine. Um, this scene is like it's kind of whatever. It's like not one of her shining scenes. Yeah, I agree. But it definitely sets up like her like trying to find a man storyline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then it's back over to the Lower East Side, and the end of century girls are getting ready for their gallery opening. Um, So Claudia is starting to get really, like, stressed out because they're burning through money. And so she mentions the fact that her family gave them a $15,000 loan that specifically is a loan that they were supposed to pay back within the first year, which seems insane to me. Um, Yeah, it seems really ambitious. Um, to expect to like profit and like pay yeah it, it's ambitious certainly she's very stressed out about money they're blowing through it i'm sure chantelle's like charging her cigarettes onto the company account <laughs> um yeah it, it seems like they're very unprofessional in how they handle money but like chantelle's like totally not concerned about it at all yeah and she chantelle's just like i think it's going to snow <laughs> This is like a total mean girl vibe. Like they just don't listen to Claudia at all. They're such bitches to her. It's truly hilarious. It's so funny. <laughs> so then it's back over to the Upper East Side. And so this time we are at um, the Sharon Hurwitz, whatever her name was, art consultancy. Uh, we see that Amy is there. She's working at her internship. And she basically explains that like, oh, Sharon helps super wealthy people pick out which art to buy. And so then Carrie arrives in a fur coat and a leather skirt. <laughs> <laughs> really of the times. I for, I forgot about those like fur vests, those really big fur chunky vests oh, that yes. everybody used to wear. What a time. <laughs> um, so basically she says that she's been given an internship with Sharon after she met her at the gallery opening the other night. And Sharon explains that Carrie and Amy are going to work together as the two interns for the next few months. So 
Um, it seems like in the talking head, Amy doesn't really like Carrie that much. She's like, well, she seems nice, but she doesn't know anything. Yeah, she seems like maybe a little bit intimidated. Like, I don't who's this girl kind of stepping on to my territory. Like, she's a little bit competitive, maybe. So what do you think about what happens later on where Amy, like, delegates this random list of tasks to Carrie? <laughs> Carrie brings it up to Sharon, very nonchalant, just being like, I just wanted to confirm that you wanted me to do these things. And then Sharon's like, let's fire Amy. <laughs> that was hilarious. Like, a way to play yourself, Amy. Um, yeah. Yeah, I thought that was so amazing. Like, really trying to establish her dominance as being, like, the head intern in charge mm-hmm. to Carrie um and and yeah how that blew up in her face like you could tell that uh Sharon was totally over Amy like showing up late and being really unprofessional and yeah just completely blew up in her face yeah I really love the little scenes that they had throughout of like Sharon just getting fed up with Amy's shit like that one where she showed up really late that one time and then the other where it was like she had given them both a task to pick out a piece of art at the art show or wherever they were that like kind of spoke to them. And Amy chose like, what was it? Like a Davian Hirsch or something very well known. It, and, it was very, very like basic in the art world scene. Mm-hmm. And she was just like, yeah, well, you know, I chose this because like, it's very like straightforward and yeah, Sharon's like not having it. So that was kind of, fun, kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah. She, yeah. Sharon's, <laughs> yeah increased like frustration with Amy's behavior is, is a, a real highlight of the season mm-hmm. so yeah when she ultimately just plays herself by trying to like pull her non-existent seniority that she's had <laughs> for being an intern for like a couple of months prior to Carrie it's it's insane but I, I love her for trying because that's <laughs> what we got <laughs> And uh, the best part was just her saying, like, well, I really appreciate, I think that Sharon's going to appreciate that I'm taking initiative, and that way I'll be able to help her. Yeah. (laughs) Like, she thought that was going to end up in her good favor. (laughs) Hilarious. Bless. God bless. Uh, So then it goes over to Despresso Cafe, which I thought was kind of funny, because it's, like, depresso, because this is a depressing scene that happens. (laughs) such a funny this is like the real where we get like the real dynamic between Claudia and Chantel it's just like Chantel's totally over Claudia's shit mm-hmm. but she can't really say anything about it and like Claudia's like constantly kind of being like passive aggressive about things and like Claudia's writing an email to somebody for work and she's like can you Claudia's like can you stop writing that and she's <laughs> Chantel's like I'm doing work right now so like yeah. <laughs> she's like I'm no I'm still emailing so we have stuff to sell in the store <laughs> there were like a thousand other kinder ways that you can say that like yeah especially when she's like money. can we please talk about like the money situation can you please get <laughs> off your phones for a minute and they were just like no it's not a priority it is so funny and yeah is this where uh, uh Chantal was like well, my aunt invested yes. in Yes, she's like, it's not all your money. And Claudia's like, actually it is. She's like, actually, I put $2,500 in there from my aunt. <laughs> she's like, yeah, well, I put 15000 So <laughs> maybe we can have a conversation here. And then here comes Lara being like, um, let's just focus on one thing at a time. So let's focus <laughs> on the thing that Chantal's doing because I'm going to take her side, definitely. Definitely. She's so, I, I wish we knew more about Lara. Mm-hmm. Uh, what a great, what a great foil. 
So Claudia gets fed up and she's like, we're butting heads. We have different business philosophies. This isn't going to work. And she gets angry and leaves. And so one thing that I find really interesting is it really seems that oftentimes Chantal has the upper hand in the conversation just because she's being the bigger bitch, but she's the one who always ends up crying. Yeah. It's very, very strange. Like, yeah, their their dynamic is real weird. Yeah, so like she ends up crying at this as she, uh, Claudia leaves, and she's like, "I just can't let her get to me." But then later on in the season, when they want to do the um, pop up event at Art Basel, where Claudia is like, "I want to make money for our company," and Chantal's like, "I just want to go and party," and she's yeah. like, she's like, "I just can't talk to you when you're being like this. I think you need to lay off the Adderall," and is like <laughs> crying. It's things like that are just like horrific like why would you even think to say something like that like what how does that do anything but like escalate the situation by being like I think you should get off drugs especially when Claudia is being quite reasonable in that whole conversation like yes she probably could have very broached it in a different way but just being like so this is what we'll do like Amy's offering to help us we'll just bring down some stuff that wouldn't be selling since we wouldn't be here anyway right exactly (laughs) she's so crazy (laughs) Um, so then we just get, like, a short little nothing scene of Amy getting her eyelashes done. This is, like, just how much she must fill her days. It's, like, she's very into beauty treatments, she tells us, even though she's got this, like, total, like, Midwestern anchor hair, like, morning (laughs) news anchor hair, and... (laughs) Yeah, she looks, for someone from Miami, she looks very Ohio. Really? Like, I don't, like, she looks like somebody's mother... And it's very strange how she dresses. She dresses like, yeah, like a 45-year-old, like, woman. (laughs) It's like, I don't know, like, who are you trying to bang? (laughs) Her, like, giant jewelry box full of, like, her gaudy-looking, like, it's not costume jewelry because it's all real pearls and shit, but, like, it's just so big and ugly. How do you yeah, have, like, you're like 25, how do you have a big jewelry box full of that many, like, pieces of ugly jewelry? <laughs> you know, she really loves, like, a, like, a charm bracelet, like, a, like, a real, oh like, a lot God. of bright and stuff. She loves her Pandora charm bracelet. Oh, for sure. That's what her dad gets her, a Pandora charm for her birthday and Hanukkah every year. <laughs> There's definitely, like, ballet slippers on it, and, like, a dog. An Eiffel Tower have. from their, tri- yeah. their family trip to Paris. <laughs> Uh, totally and she takes it off before she has sex she has sex (laughs) and that's that's why you're not having sex amy that's why (laughs) yeah so she gets her eyelashes done it's fine she like loves them it's great whatever she's so silly um so then we have maggie she's heading back to eli's gallery so this is the scene this is i think my favorite scene in this entire first episode because it's so yes it's horrible it's so so weird how she's like coming in there miss big balls and like how she executes this this weird conversation is so funny and she really thinks that she's killing it at the negotiations she's i mean and it's worth mentioning that liz is standing there like also at the front desk Mm -hmm. right next to eli and like so maybe that's why she's feeling a little bit awkward but like maggie literally just sits there and eli's like do you want something? <laughs> like, why, why are you here? Yeah. So he's like, well, I assume you're here because you want to discuss an internship with me. And she's like, well, she's like, you want another internship with me? She's like, well, you know, 
we probably have to sit down and discuss that. And he's like, well, we're sitting down right Wait. now and discussing it. <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, yeah, it's so, she's just like mumbling. She's not making eye contact with him. She's like kind of like trying to issue an ultimatum to him, but she's also not really saying what it is that she wants. Mm-hmm. And she's like, like not being clear at all about what she's asking for. At and she, all. He's like, well, do you want an internship? She's like, well, I guess, yeah, if that's what you want. She's like not making eye contact. She seems so disinterested in like and- all of this. And, like, she went in there initially, she tells us, to get a recommendation so she could get an actual job. And somehow this turns into, like, I guess I'll be here on Monday. And <laughs> the way that Eli was, like, have you, you know, are like, our internships are 30 days. Have you worked here 30 days? She's <laughs> like, I've been working here since college. Well, so that part is so weird, too, because she, like, gets really upset. And so she just starts, like, whispering under her breath, basically. She's like, it's been months. what is it girl and that's why I think like she probably just like interns when she wants and it's like okay if you've been out of school for three years and you're saying that you've been working there for months then how long have you really been working there like have you worked 30 days total yeah it's so confusing Um, it's very, very and then like as she's like leaving he's like well I appreciate all your dedication hard work what an asshole he's such a nightmare and yeah so she's like well I'll see you on Monday I'm like that was never established by anyone by either one of you but I guess you're both fine with it no it literally went from like okay like I'm not gonna give you a recommendation or whatever it's like she's like okay well I guess I'll be here Monday like for what yeah so I guess (laughs) like she needs to quote unquote finish out the internship so that he can like be a reference and say that she completed it but how many days of her 30-day internship are possibly left at this point? Like, three? Right. What is, no, there was no no game plan set in place whatsoever. Nobody knows what is happening. Maggie's just going to come in and count pebbles, I guess. (laughs) Okay, yeah, let's talk about that, because that happens later on. So he literally gives her a task where it's, like, three different, like, planters of random plant, and there are, like, rocks in it and he's like I want there to be the same amount of rocks in each plant and she's like Eli I don't really have to do this he's like get to it and she does it she does it like it's so unwell like there were so many pebbles in there that like it's completely stupid and not even feasible for you to like a reasonable for you to ask somebody to do this and yet she does it and it's like they're like in dirt and she's like picking them out of the dirt and it's like this is so weird like can you guys just fuck already yeah and you can tell that Liz really wants to just go back there and be like Maggie get your ass out of this back room (laughs) like stop counting pebbles don't let him do this to you don't let him do this to you ugh it's very strange. So, and she's right. Like, something more has to have gone down because, yeah. like, why is this relationship happening this way? Like, this would never happen with some, like, even if I found a guy really intimidating, like, this stuff would never happen unless we, like, had sex with each other. And I was, like, 23. <laughs> yeah. So she does mention that, like, in the second or third episode is that she thinks, like, Eli and uh, Maggie have a past, but, like, that's also dropped from that point on and never brought back up again. There was a scene where Eli and 
Maggie go to like lunch or dinner or something and she's like gonna go on a date with her like little meathead Brian yeah it's so because uh Liz says that she's getting her hair done so she can't and then she's like oh I didn't have plans to get my hair done there was just no way I was gonna go to get (laughs) drinks with them and then they have this like weird thing about like oh he's your boyfriend like what's that like and like he's being all inquisitive about the boyfriend and it's really really weird Yeah, they have such strange energy, and this whole, like, situation where they're talking, she's talking about getting her internship back is just, like, the ultimate strangest energy, so it's so uncomfortable. You know he went in the bathroom after that and, like, really jerked it, like, sorry. (laughs) Oh, he absolutely, he did say he was going to take a break immediately (laughs) after that, you're so right. He loved that, he really got off on that. Oh, he so did, that's disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) You're so, you're absolutely right. And I'm, I'm disgusted. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Let's, um, let's, uh, let's bleach that from our minds with the next scene at Chantal's apartment. (laughs) Um, So she's getting ready for her gallery opening and she's like, well, Claudia had a bit of a meltdown and that was disturbing, but I think we're going to have a good opening. (laughs) she's like totally dressed like a like she's going to some sort of like Downton Abbey costume party so Um, she has some weird like Tumblr pro Anna vibes right for sure and I think that's why she goes on to say like she's really big in Japan like it's Mm -hmm. like yeah she's definitely got this like emaciated pale Olsen twin. Oh, very Olsen twin. Vibe to her. Mm-hmm. Very just like, I'm just a little waif and I need to hunch over my black coffee or else I'll blow away in the wind. You know, she seriously like survives off of like tiny little cups of espresso and cigarettes. And, like she never eats a thing. And like maybe she'll have broth sometimes. And she's <laughs> like, how do you exist? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so she walks into the gallery. She finds Lara crying in a closet. Um, <laughs> so funny to me. Because, <laughs> like, how long was Lara just, like, in that closet? And were the cameras there? Was she just, like, crying in the closet and Chantel finds her? <laughs> the cameras were just, like, they were there waiting, but, like, turned <laughs> off. Because they're like, mm, we don't get paid to film you. <laughs> I don't know who you are. I don't know if you're, like, another Haim sister. But, like, you're not worth the, the t- film, you know? <laughs> uh yeah Claudia is nowhere to be found since her alleged meltdown so Mm -hmm. that's fun she's like Claudia was here for like a second but she left I'm just overwhelmed (laughs) I they should have had cameras up because I would love to see that conversation between them (laughs) yep uh and Chantal is just like well apparently this opening is very stressful for my business partners I don't know why it's not affecting me I just don't have the stress gene I guess probably because you've spent the entire day like going through dresses that you could wear and like sleeping yeah (laughs) Chantel's a true nightmare (laughs) she she just floats through life and everything is somehow fine exactly and that's what's infuriating that she has no like perspective on the fact that like people actually work and like now I think she's got like some sort of like lifestyle LA thing going Mm -hmm. on but yeah, she sucks. <laughs> yeah, she had said uh, earlier, she's like, well, I've, like, supported myself since I'm 16, and, like, you just don't understand how to do that. I'm like, how have you supported yourself? Like, right. it's you like, can't even, I'm- like, support a bag of groceries on your, like, little twig arm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, did you go to college? Like, what is the story of Chantal? Like, have you been 
it just seems like she went to New York with like a little like purse and like a one pair of underwear <laughs> and then like suddenly she finds herself in an apartment at the end of the day and it's like oh I just don't have to pay for anything she's probably got some like sugar daddies on in her past oh, yeah. too oh yeah I think too that she had said that she had been with her boyfriend for like four years at that point so she probably like um, met him like two days into being in New York and like just like you know like shacked up with him as a matter of convenience for sure like she seems like a girl who would not have a long-term boyfriend but then it's like once you meet him you're like oh yeah this makes sense because she's yeah. just running the show they, yeah they, or they just like cheat on each other all the time and it's fine yeah, or she cheats on him, and, like, like when they go to Miami, she's, like, talking about how she just didn't answer her phone, and how he flew straight to Art Basel, because he was so jealous. Uh, or, um, also, wasn't she talking, she said something about how she went through his apartment and found, like, a hidden chest of Asian porn. Yes, and that's mm. why he really liked Angela. Such a true keeper. She really has a catch there. <laughs> she really does. Spencer. <laughs> Uh, he looks like, um, what's his face? Jack Antonoff or whatever? Oh, yes. Much like 60% of the guys did in in Brooklyn at the time. Yeah, yeah. He has those kind of gross, disgusting vibes. Yeah, the glasses, like, yeah. The The hair, yeah. The whole thing. The I'm just a nice guy kind of energy. Yeah, like, I look a little bit like Rick Moranis, so I'm disarming. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Uh, Rick Moranis would never. <laughs> it's true. I, I'm sorry, Rick. If you hear this, I apologize. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a big fan. <laughs> um, so then over in Angela's apartment, she's also getting ready for the gallery opening, and she has her gaze over, as she calls them several times throughout the um, series. Her gaze help her with her love life and with her outfits and things. Her makeup. They call her a bitch all the time. Mm-hmm. It's like the most stereotypical thing like she just like like I'm gonna walk around naked around you guys and be like oh bitch like look at you bitch like I'm gonna put tape on your boobs bitch like (laughs) like it's just like a whole thing like they're totally her cheer squad it's very like it's almost like like uh the Harajuku girls Mm, mm -hmm. like Gwen Stefani's Harajuku girls she's yeah love angel music baby but they're all twinks yeah they're like her her williamsburg gaze (laughs) uh so yeah she puts on her elaborate outfit she's got like pasties and lipstick on her nipples and all kinds of shit going on yeah she loves to like flit around and like wear silly things and she talks about how her fashion is like kind of avant-garde and Mm -hmm. you know off kilter and we find out that she invited David the photographer with the Asian fetish to yes the opening so they're all I to go. fully wrote down that his name was Alex for some reason I have no <laughs> idea why it well be. I know yeah. he's just like any other random white guy <laughs> he really is he looks like he looks like nothing he looks like a glass of water like I have no mental picture of what he looks like I mean, truly, he looks like any guy that you would see walking down the street, like, he, truly, Johnny White guy, like, who cares? Like, the <laughs> fact that he has an Australian accent might help, but at that time, there were a lot of Australians in New York, so even that wouldn't have helped him that much. <laughs> um, also, at this point, as they're leaving, one of her friends refers to um, Angela's pussy, and it's like, her pussy is not all fat and crazy looking. <laughs> And she's like, it is fat, though. And he's like, yeah, but it's not, like, Britney Spears trailer park fat. Yeah, like, what? 
It's like, okay, stop. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> First right. of all, <laughs> Brittany was like working during this time. Okay. Yeah. She was like at the height of her, well, at the height of a lot of things, but you know, that's, that's neither here nor there, but she was, she was not, this was not Britney Spears trailer park timeline though. No, no. It was so, not. How dare. <laughs> yeah, truly they were, they are an interesting little uh, group of guys. <laughs> so then finally we get the much awaited end of century gallery slash clothing store open. I really lean into the slash clothing store. <laughs> and it's, it's worth mentioning. It seems like it's a lot of its success, as Chantal says, but it's really just like their friends going to get free wine. <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah, there are a lot of people there. There's the bands playing. Claudia says that she's concerned the police are going to roll up and bust them. <laughs> like you do. Yeah, I mean, you know that those people are never going to go to that store ever again. <laughs> like, they just are there to party. Oh no, never. <laughs> um, and so... Uh, Angela meets up with her photographer boy, but she ends up, like, ditching him at some point because she's also doing, like, the event photography there for the evening, so she ignores him. Yeah, and it's really awkward. He's like, do you want to hang out later? She's like, later next week? And he's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> he just walks out. She's, like, one of those people where as soon as someone pays any kind of attention to you, like, they're just like, totally mm, disinterested. Yeah, never yeah. mind. I'm good. Yeah, it, it's very, yeah. Oh, to be in, in my 20s again. What a great time. Uh, Liz and Maggie have decided to go with their boyfriends, and they're like, we don't like the Lower East Side because that's where all the hipsters are. Maggie's like, it smells down here. I can't do this. It's a smelly. Brian, please pick me up. <laughs> Can you please <laughs> talk about the scene later on, too, where uh, Maggie gets sent on an errand to Brooklyn, and she's like, oh my god, I'm gonna die. <laughs> She gets sent to, and I think it's just, like, in Williamsburg, which, like, is was still, like, a very nice part, and she's acting like, oh, my God, I have to take a subway? Like, I need to take a car, and please get me out of here. There's a guy from two blocks away who's yelling at me. Like, he just said hi. She's like, oh, my God, please call the police. <laughs> yeah, so she's just, where is she from? I forgot. Is it Pennsylvania? Connecticut? Yeah, something like in the New York-ish area. Mm -hmm. I think it was like, yeah, Pennsylvania maybe? Yeah, something like that. So she's like not from the city, but she's also not from like rural Illinois like Claudia is. So I don't know what her issue is. Yeah, and that's why it's like, the city is not built for everybody. And it's like, I know that like we all, like she said, you want to be Charlotte, York, Goldenblatt, you know, that's great. But like, you were, she was not built for the city. Like, mm -hmm. for you to be scared of Williamsburg, which is like the whitest area of Brooklyn, <laughs> like, for you to be like terrified of like the glass on the ground, it's like, girl, why live in the city? Why? Yeah. <laughs> she so will. <laughs> So uh, Liz is offended, too, once again, because the three end-of-century girls, like, just ignore her, and she says, Chantal says in her talking head that it seems like Liz and Maggie are lost, and also Claudia's like, their boyfriends could, like, eat the EOC guys for lunch. <laughs> yeah, talking about how they could easily eat Spencer. Yeah, they're definitely, like, fish out of water, but again, like, I think Liz, like, would have liked them and probably would have even gone against Maggie earlier. Um, if the girl, if the Brooklyn girls had been more accepting of her. Yeah, but they ignore her. They're, they get offended by how rude they're being. They decide to leave. 
Um, and then Chantal was really upset that they were even there because they think she thinks they're weird. And if they had been nicer to her, they probably would have made some sales because Liz said that she actually liked a lot of the clothing. I yeah. Mean. Liz could have bought like a single fucking painting from the gallery. They probably should have played their cards more strategically. Truly. Yeah. Chantelle clearly is like high at some point, like at the end of the episode. Oh, like, yeah. She's, she's like fucked up. Taken, like, there's probably some pills that she had taken. She's like dancing and, the, and like just walking away from the producers just interviewing her to like go talk to a friend. She's like, oh my God, I love you. Yeah. She's having a great time. She says that uh, she's having fun right now, but if in six months it's not working, she's going to fly to Key West and hire a rack to Cuba. And I see that, I could see that happening with her. So she could just chill. Like, what do you need to chill? You're 23. Like, what are you taking a break from? And so then this is where it ends with her saying, I'm going to wake up at eight, drink a French press coffee, do a (laughs) yoga class, and then come to work. (laughs) And I feel like we find out the next episode that she didn't come in until like one or something. Yeah, it's like 1230. And then that's basically it. It ends with Chantal is just happy as a clam. Uh, Claudia is really stressed out because her name's on the lease and she owes her family $15,000. And that's, that's the end of the episode. God bless the gallery girls. <laughs> God bless. So I'm going to do a, where are they now? So yeah. We'll start with Angela. So she is a working photographer now. She um, was a party photographer with the Billy Farrell agency for a while. Okay. Now she has her own like photo agency. I'm not sure if you'd call it an agency, but she has a photo team. It's Deech plus Fam. Um, she has dabbled in editorial co- editorial photography. She, apparently, she shot Jay Z. Um, she modeled some of her own vintage fashion for a Harper's Bazaar spread. She was in a Vogue article about her style, which has been toned down since her Gallery Girls days. So no more lipstick on the nipples. Um, but that's basically <laughs> it. She's just like working as a photographer, doing her thing. Awesome. Um, so Chantal, so end of century closed in 2013. Surprisingly, it wasn't sustainable. Uh, apparently she and Lara opened another space called Of Us in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, but that also closed. So she moved to LA in 2014. Um, she began working as head of media and communications um, at the design firm Pocketo's blog. She co-founded a creative agency called Assortment. And now, most interestingly, she's part of a musical duo called Petra, and they released an album called Aunis last September. It's oh A-U-N-I-S. God. It's extremely close to anus. <laughs> A-U-N-I-S. Okay. Yes. Uh, I didn't listen to it. It's like atmospheric, like instrumental synth music, I think. So, Does she sing, it's, or it's just like completely instrumental? I think it's. I haven't. I truly was like, uh, eh, I'm good. <laughs> I think she dyed her hair blonde, from what I saw. She did. She dyed it blonde when she was in LA, and it's back to brown as of her honest cover. Oh, okay. <laughs> Being taken seriously as a musician. Exactly. She looks exactly <laughs> the same. Like her most recent photo on Instagram looks exactly like her in Gallery Girls. So, whatever. <sighs> Love to see it. Uh, Claudia, Claudia got her MA in design and anthropology from University College London. Um, she ran a flower shop in Hudson for a while. Um, and then, um, or now she's a writer in California. She's not like on social media publicly, uh, but she does have a website and she mentions that 
She's contributed to Wallpaper, the Bauhaus magazine, um, and published chapters in a book with the Bauhaus Foundation. So she's kind of just like a serious lady now. The flower shop kills me. That's so funny. <laughs> I know. It's so cute. <laughs> there was also stuff where it was like she was also selling a vintage table on apartment therapies classified ads for $100 or best offer. <laughs> well, you know, I like that she still got her entrepreneurial spirit. Yep, exactly. Um, so Liz. Liz is interesting. So Liz got her BA from the School of Visual Arts in 2014. She got her master's in modern and contemporary art from Sotheby's Institute of Art. Um, she was working as a project manager at Culture Corps, but now she runs her own art consulting agency, Elizabeth Margulies Art Consulting. So I like had clicked onto all of their Instagrams and stuff just to see like what they've been doing recently. Liz is active as fuck and she has opinions on coronavirus. Really? Yes. Uh -oh. So it's really actually quite interesting because she does a lot of traveling for like her work in the art world and she does a lot of traveling to China specifically. So mm. apparently she was like talking about this like from months and months ago and being like the government's not doing enough, like people need to step up and take this seriously. Oh wow. And it's like really interesting. I followed her so I'm going to keep up with her uh, via Instagram and see like her updates and things but I thought it was kind of um yeah, just interesting that that's, like, really what she's into right now. Like, her Instagram is all just, like, COVID updates. That's really interesting. Is she still a blonde? She is. She looks very similar to what she looked like in Gallery Girls. Mm. Well, good for her for working, because I didn't think she would do that. No, she actually seems like she takes everything really seriously now and is, like, a real-ass art consultant, like, a real-ass a real ass business lady. She's, like, the opposite of uh, Chantal. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, Carrie, Carrie has kept a low profile. She was apparently, um, promoted to director of travel and art, maybe. I saw one place that just said director of travel and somewhere else it said director of travel and art at the lifestyle management firm where she was working while she was on the show. It's called 400. Mm. It's apparently very mysterious and like no one really knows anything about it. So who knows like what it's all about. Um, yeah. but she also became a DJ. <laughs> of course. Yep. So she was, I don't know if she's still DJing, but she does that. She is apparently still at 400. Oh, okay. Interesting. And then, I'm surprised a company like that would survive. I know. All of the like, financial stuff. This whole like past 10 years or whatever it's been almost. Yeah. Good for her. Um, Maggie, she was uh, working as the assistant director of sales at Hamburg Kennedy Photographs, but left in 2014. Um, according to the article I read, which was probably only in like 2015 or 16, so this might have changed since then. She was an associate at the Eric Thompson Gallery, but she's like in the art world. She's not like doing really anything big. I did a deep dive on her a couple years ago, oh. and I think she got married. Okay, well, good for her. Yeah, she married this, like, really gorgeous, like, Middle Eastern guy. Like, he's oh. really cute. Very okay, cute. so not, like, fratty McBro white dude that she was with on the show? No, he seems, like, maybe a little bit bro-y. But, yeah, like, he's I definitely, mean, like, cuter than Ryan, for sure. That's good. Well, good good for you, Maggie. Yeah. I hope he um, cuts her steak for her. <laughs> he puts uh, all, the exact amount of ice cubes she likes in her wine. <laughs> Exactly. He gets her a big cupcake every birthday since that's very important. Oh my god, how dare her boyfriend not get her a cupcake? <laughs> that was so funny. 
<laughs> um, and then finally, Amy. So we didn't talk about this really, but the last episode of the show ends with Maggie like thinking that she's going to get this job at the Bernaducci Meisel Gallery yes. because she did this day where she like did a, a day where she interned and they like were like, wow, this girl has no personality, no Done. energy, no drive. <laughs> she like could not care less about being there. That was such an epic thing of like, yeah, like Amy kind of getting her comeuppance of like being kind of shitty at Sharon's gallery, but like having that be a kick in the pants to like go and work at the Bernadouche Vizel and like how they were like, you're just like totally different from the other girl that came in. Like you're such a dream. And yeah, to see like Amy walk in and be like, and then Maggie walk in and be like, oh, like realizing that she took her mm -hmm. job. Mm -hmm. and after Maggie, she'd already gone around telling everyone that she got a new job everybody that she got the job <laughs> classic <laughs> totally classic and like then her just being like I don't understand like I thought I did really good like <laughs> like you didn't even know how to make a coffee like you couldn't even be tasked with finding some business cards in an office like mm -hmm. like you couldn't you're worthless <laughs> you're worthless so, like what did you do uh it was it was iconic it was truly iconic. <laughs> um, so Amy left the Bernaducci Mizell Gallery not long after the show ended. She ended up moving home to Coral Gables, and she worked for the Douglas Elliman Real Estate Agency for a while. Now she's a gallery manager for RDZ Fine Arts. She's also involved with Miami's Junior League and the Young Arts Committee. Um, it was also mentioned in, like, <laughs> multiple <laughs> articles. Oh, yeah, she's a Junior League girl. Um, <laughs> multiple articles. It's, like, she had a Facebook fan page that she ran for herself. Uh, <laughs> that's amazing. Um, so the last question that I always ask is, does this hold up or is it worth a rewatch? So what do you think? I think it definitely holds up. I think if you've watched it before, it's definitely worth a rewatch. I think... Yeah, I mean, this, like, truly, the show is, like, very close to my heart. I always, like, really, really loved it. I think I have, like, special things to it because I had just moved to New York when it came out, and, like, I was just feeling very, like, oh, my God, I live in New York. This is so cool. Um, but I think for other people, I think it's definitely, definitely worth it. Did you like it? Yeah, I did. It was really fun. Like, it's a, it's one of those watches where it's, like, well, it's, this one's interesting because all of the characters, like, you can't decide if you like them or not. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's really hard to decide if you do or don't. Um, but it's, like, fun. It's lighthearted. Everything is so, like, not serious. These are not real problems. So totally. this is probably a good, like, good for a quarantine binge if anyone's looking for <laughs> yeah. shows right now. I think this is definitely a good binge watch. I don't know mm -hmm. if I would, like, be that's motivated to watch it like if it was out now as a weekly I think I would definitely save it and binge it yeah all right well that wraps it up unless you have any other comments on gallery girls um no I just wanted to say I've, I'm gonna be writing my application at Eli Klein Gallery once we get oh. off of here Oh God, that's the last thing I wanted to say. So I totally was like, oh, let me look up Eli because I hadn't done anything. Like, you know, I was like, let me look into him just because, you know, he was part of this too. Let yeah. me find exactly what it was. I was shook. I was truly shook to my core. <sighs> the I'm scared. Eli Klein. It's not, it's, it's like good news. So I found his Instagram 
His most recent post is from March 8th, International Women's Day, and he wrote that this week, attorneys for this, from the Center for Reproductive Rights, which my late mother, Jan Janet Binshoof, founded in 1992, what? argued a major abortions rights case at the U.S. Supreme Court to defeat a Louisiana law, like, basically just, like, pro-choice, like, pro-reproductive justice. I wow. support, like, International Women's Day, like, my mom's legacy of founding this, and I was just like, what? Good for him. Yeah. So anyway, good for you, Eli. That's like another facet that should have been explored on Gallery Girls because it probably would have made you a more sympathetic character. I, I gotta say that I'm glad that like all the girls for the most part are still in the art world mm -hmm. and that this wasn't just like a thing for the cameras. Yeah. I mean, they all seem to take it pretty seriously. Um, I, other than I guess Carrie was the only one that didn't really like parlay that into anything, but yeah. Well, good right. for them. This was such a great walk down memory lane. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, thank you for being on. Um, do you want to tell uh, where people can find you, a little bit about your podcast? Yeah, um, I am kind of like a mixed bag every week. I often recap 90 Day Fiance and Married at First Sight, Love After Lockup. I talk about true crime, uh, just whatever comes to my mind, other pop culture bits. Uh, the title of the podcast is Everyone's Business But Mine. You can find that everywhere, and you can follow me on Instagram at Everyone's Business But Mine. All right. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I had so much fun talking to you. So much fun. Thank you again. All right. And if you'd like to follow my podcast, I am on Instagram at Snapback to Reality Pod. My personal Instagram is at really underscore Riley. Um, you can follow me on Facebook at or Snapback to Reality Podcast. Email me, snapbackpodcast at gmail.com. But otherwise, have a great rest of your day. Bye. Thank you. Bye.